Happy Sabbath. Good news, God has answered our prayers. We are going to be martyrs. So I think, is it good news he's answered our prayers? Or is it good news we're going to be martyrs? Or could it be both? Um, Thinking about the scripture reading today, um, Jesus says, um, but they are in the world. So, so why would we be in, so why are we in the world? I could think of three reasons why we should be in the world. Um, the first reason is to bring glory to God. Um, when we think about God, all the names that he has, he's our creator, our redeemer, our deliverer. He's the defender of widows and orphans. And if anybody ever gets a chance to take this Bible study, I would highly recommend it. Um, but in the book, they have like over 300 names given to God throughout the Bible. He's the King of Kings, the Lord our Maker, your glory, the Gardener, the Glorious Father, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Teacher, the Amen, the Beginning and the End, the Spirit of our God, the Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation, the Gift. Um, so when we think about his name, his character, one of the reasons we're here when we bring glory to God is that his character can be seen and judged. You know, his wisdom, his goodness, his power, his love, um, mercy and justice, can they be mixed in the midst of the great controversy? This, is a, this has to be a very fine line, mercy and justice. How can those two be mixed? Um, When our character is transformed into his character, that's his greatest glory. Um, That leads us to the second reason we're here for character formation, perfection, restoration. Jesus came to restore what was lost in Eden. You know, what, what he lost in Eden, he came to come back. So it's kind of like paying when he came back, it's almost like, you bought your car, and then you have to go back and you have to buy it again. You know, so he created us, and then now he had to come back and pay, pay for us again. Um, so during this character formation, perfection, restoration, we suffer the same trials as the world, so that we and the world will know that his grace is sufficient for any trial that we would suffer. And not only this world, but all of the unfallen worlds, they will also know that his grace is sufficient. Um, there's a song by Selah. It says, if I never had a problem, I would never know that he could solve them. Um, another quip quote is, no test, there is no testimony without a test. And, and when we give our... And we, we give our... Um, when we tell our story, not just in this world, but in the next world, we're going to be ambassadors. You know, what story are we going to have to tell? Are we going to be able to tell how the lazy river at Wisconsin Dells was, you know, really nice and God guided us down the lazy river? Or are we going to be able to tell them how God guided us down the Colorado River in springtime with the rapids and the waterfalls and this and that? Just, just what story are we going to have to tell?
The third reason is we're the light of the world. Um, Jesus gave us the great invitation and the great commission. So once we have been restored, we are to carry that message to our fellow human beings, our brothers and our sisters, about the good news of the restoration. I think probably one of the most greatest examples is somebody who just quit smoking cigarettes. You know, they're, they're free, and they got the way to quit smoking cigarettes, and they're going to tell everybody how you can quit smoking cigarettes, too. The meaning of life, um, it's, it's simple, if, but not easy, if, if we're Christians, because we're here to come to God for restoration, and then we're to go for God. You know, it's an honor and a privilege to share the message. Um, in AA, they say an alcoholic can do more than 10 minutes with another alcoholic than their family or counselors can do in a year because when you talk to somebody about your experiences, they will know right from the beginning if, if you're being honest with them or not, if they can relate to those experience or not, if they can see that you were there and now you're here and they see, okay, I'm down here, can I actually come to this point? It'd be like, I was thinking about this this morning, you know, if the angels came and said, you know, here, you can do 100 push-ups, watch. Here, this is me doing, 50, you know, 100 push-ups. You know, you've, you might believe them, but then you might not. But what if Jack LaLanne came and popped off 500 push-ups? Well, then you think, well, well maybe with some work I could do 100 push-ups. And, and I thought that that would be a very apt description of what it would be like for when Jesus came. Jesus came as our an example, you know, of how we should live. Now, we don't have to save the world like he did, but, but we do have, you know, things that he has called us to do. And because he has done it, and other people have done it too, many, of the, um, many people in the Bible have done it, and even we have friends that we know of that have done it. Um... So we're to be an example to this world and to the universe that God is, love, his will is best, he is all-knowing, his directions are right, and he is all-powerful, that he can enable us to do his will. Um, how our character is transformed and how we carry the message will bring some level of glory to God, you know, good or bad. But that, that deci- that's our decision, you know, how much glory will be brought to God. What we believe about God is revealed in our actions. You know, we should do what we are called to do. Disobedience, it's not an option if he is our king, if we believe that, that he is love, that his will is best for us, if we believe that he is all-knowing, that his directions are right, if we believe that he's all-powerful and that he can enable us to do our will. I was watching a, a children's video, and it was on uh, Perpetua. She was martyred around 2003 BCE. Um, and that led me to start researching more about this. It was, it was a really good video, and it's a really good story, and I would like to share some of that with you. Um, but first, I'd like to talk a little bit about Terillion. He was, um, he was a lawyer. 
he became to Christ because of the, uh, the games. And uh, he wrote quite a bit. There's, on the website, there's a spot called the Tertullian Project, where they've translated many of his works. Um, he wrote about the games, you know, about why you shouldn't go to the games. He wrote about dress and moral conduct. And I, I think that at that time, God gives to the church and to us what we need and when we need it. You know, back then, the church had Tertullian. Today, we have Ellen, you know, Ellen White to help guide us, you know, into these final days. But he wrote a, he wrote a paper called Ad Martyrs around 197. And it was kind of like a, a cost-benefit analysis, you know, what, what's going to go on? And it was kind of a straightforward look at it. Um, so... First of all, prison usually starts before the martyrdom. And yes, that's bad, but there are going to be gains to offset the losses. Um, one of the gains, it's going to, it does the same service as the desert or the mountain does for the prophet or the holy man. They're excluded from the world. Um, Jesus, Elijah did it. Paul and John the Baptist all spent time in the desert. Paul and John the Baptist both spent time in prison, so um, so it's going to do the same service as it would for a prophet. Number two, um, if the Holy Spirit were not there, neither would you. You know, when call, God calls us to join him in his work, he's already there working, and he's calling us to come and join him in this work. He's not asking us to go and, and start doing some work without him. He is already there. So we wouldn't be there if he wasn't already there. And yes, the body is shut in. There's going to be no more long walks in shady parks on Sabbath afternoon. But you go where the Spirit leads you. You're bound, but God has made you free. You know, um, addictions or drives, they can be much worse than any man-made prison. But to be free of those, you are truly free. A reduced number of temptations is another advantage. Um, Your choices are now black and white. There are no shades of gray to be debated. I was reading a story about a man who was let out of the gulag, and he, he was happy to be out, but there are so many choices that seemed to be so gray that, that he really struggled with. But when he was in the gulag, it was yes or no. And, and that made it very easy for him to choose. Uh, it's Satan's house. It's time to take the battle to the enemy's land. And it's a new field to work in. You know, we, got, we pray that the Father sends laborers because the harvest is now. You know, if anybody needs help, it's people in prison. And yes, we've lost some of the comforts of the world, but remember, as Christians, we've already renounced the world. So, it's, it's training for the next step. Um, in the world, the greater the prize 
the more strenuous the training. When you think about the Olympics, you know, how much effort people go through to be in the Olympics, you know, it's like they're consumed, you know. Um, think about those speed skaters, you know, they, they eat like 20,000 calories a day, so they got to spend their, t- and they sleep 12 hours a day, and that, so then they're eating, sleeping, and training, you know, and that's, that's just their life, and so... And, and the Holy Spirit is our personal trainer through, through all our life. And number six, number six death, or worse yet, torture, and then death. Um, yes, yes, it's going to be painful, but others have done it. Jesus, Jesus did it for us. He did it for his kingdom. So um, people have done it for heavenly glory. Daniel, well, he wasn't eaten, but most people are eaten. Um, the three worthies, you know, they weren't were burnt, but most of them were. Um, when I think about fires, I think about when I was growing up, this Buddhist monk in Vietnam burned himself because of the horror of the war, and I just was shocked. Well, it was on TV. I was kind of shocked that it was, but just that he would do something like that, I, it helped me get a grasp on how terrible that war was, or any war, you know, any, all wars, war is hell. And, but for heavenly glory, also for, um, for earthly glory, um, sometimes during initiations, people will take licks, and they'll say, thank you, sir, may I have another? In Sparta, they would, um, the, as part of their training, the, the young men would be taking lashes, and then their families would be cheering them on that they could withstand the pain. So, so people, you know, suffer for, for many reasons, you know, for Jesus suffered for us, for heavenly glory, for earthly glory. You know, there's also random acts of violence, you know, these things happen. You know, there's fire, there's wild accidents, there's sickness. You know, and these things happen to people for, for no reason at all. People are still being mauled by animals. You know, when we think about martyrs, I generally think about in the games being eaten by lions and tigers and bears. But, you know, people are still being mauled. You know, somebody was just mauled by a grizzly bear. Some people are even mauled by their own dog, you know, if they own a pit bull. You know, they got a good chance they're going to die, too. So, so we looked at some of the reasons why um, some of the advantages, you know, that could come from being a martyr. And now I'd like to tell you a little bit about Perpetua. She, ate, she wrote about her, uh, her passion, um, and that's preserved for us today. Um, She wrote about her imprisonment, and then um, somebody else wrote about, you know, what happened uh, during the games. So I thought I would read some of the things that she had wrote. I'll try not to be read too much and be too boring with it. But so she was arrested, you know, and taken prisoner because uh, she was a Christian. Um, people believe that there was a roundup of Christians because. One of the emperor's, I think, wives was having a birthday, and they needed 
something for the show. Um, she lived in Carthage, which was the number two city in the world besides Rome. So, so they were very Roman. So she was taken prisoner, and then her father came to visit her. And she says, in her words, While we were still with the persecutors, my father, for the sake of his affliction for me, was persisting in seeking to turn me away and to cast me down from the faith. Father, do you see, let us say, this vessel lying here to be a little pitcher or something else? And he said, I see it to be so. And I replied to him, Can it be called by any other name than what it is? And he said, No. Then neither can I call myself anything than what I am, a Christian. And then her father was less than happy with that response. Um, further on, they were, um, they were baptized. And then a brother came to her and said, My dear sister, you are in a position of great dignity and are such that you may ask for a vision, that it be made known to you whether this will result in a passion or an escape, talking about their imprisonment. And I, who knew that I was privileged to converse with the Lord, whose kindness I had found to be so great, boldly promised him and said, Tomorrow I will tell you. And I asked this, and I asked, and this is what was shown to me. I saw a golden ladder of marvelous height reaching up to the heaven and, a very, and very narrow so that persons could only ascend one by one. And on its side of the ladder was fixed every kind of iron weapon. There were swords, lances, hooks, daggers, so that if one went up carelessly or not looking upwards, he would be torn to pieces and his flesh would cleave to the iron weapons. And under the ladder itself was a crouching dragon of wondrous size who lay in wait for those who ascended and frightened them from the ascent. And Satyrus went up first, who had subsequently delivered himself up freely on our account, not having been present at the time we were taken prisoners. Satyrus, he was their pastor. He gave himself up so that he could go minister with, to his flock. Um, and he, Satyrus, attained the top of the ladder and towards, turned towards me and said, Perpetua, I am waiting for you, but be careful that the dragon does not bite you. And I said, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he shall not hurt me. And from under the ladder itself, as in fear of me, he slowly lifted up his head, and I trotted up the first step. I trod upon his head, and I went up, and I saw an immense extent of garden. And in the midst of the garden was a white-haired man sitting in the dress of a shepherd, of a large stature, milking sheep, and standing around were many thousands of white-robed ones. And he raised his head, and he looked at me and said, Thou art welcome, daughter, and he called me, and from the cheese as he was milking, he gave it me as, as it were, a little cake, and I received it with folded, hand, folded hands, and I ate it, and all who stood around said, Amen, and at the sound of their, their voices, I was awakened, still tasting the sweetness which I cannot describe, and I immediately re- related this to my brother, and we understood that it was to be passion. And we ceased henceforth to have any hope in this world. And when I think about this paragraph here, 
this is where the, the title of the sermon came from. Um, one of the things that really stood out is the ladder. If they went up carelessly or not looking upwards, they could be torn to pieces. Um, and that's so true of our walk today. If we don't stay focused on Jesus, if we aren't very careful about every step we take, we are going to fall. And it's kind of like walking down the narrow road with ditches, and Satan doesn't matter, doesn't really care if it's the left ditch or the right ditch, as long as you're in a ditch. So as we walk very straight. Um, also, the, uh, the ladder, under the ladder was a dragon, scaring people off, and probably fear, more than anything, would, is just scares. Fear of the unknown, fear of this, fear of that. It's sometimes it's hard to uh, to deal with fear, but you know I was talking with uh, with my daughter this morning. What about fear? You know, if you're thinking about oh, if you're going on a trip and you're afraid you're going to have a flat tire, you you really can't worry about changing a flat tire that hasn't happened. Now you can take make preparations. You can make sure your tires are inflated. You can make sure they're in good shape. You can make sure you stay on the road. But you can prepare for things, but you can't really worry about a flat tire until it happens, and then, and then you got something to do. Um, and I thought when she woke up, she still tasted the sweetness of the of the cheese, you know. And I I remember reading about Ellen White when she would wake up from some of her visions. She would, from heaven, she would say, oh, it's so dark, it's so dark because heaven was so bright that it's, you know, just kind of a, a taste of what's ahead for us. And as she's going along, um, a few days, again, after a few days, Pudens, a soldier, an assistant overseer of the prison, who began to regard us in great esteem, perceiving that the great power of God was in us, admitted many brethren to see us, that both we and they may be mutually refreshed. And I think this goes right back to, um, we're the light of the world. Putin, uh, a soldier, is um, starting to become greatly esteemed. Many speculate that he is the one who actually finished um, her her, di- her diary. Um, and I think that's all for... So from Perpetua... Um, Her story is preserved for us, you know, as an encouragement um, that she and most likely many others were strengthened by the writing of Tertullian um, because, because of her martyrdom, the jailer, jailer became, came to Christ. You know, when you think about what is one soul worth, you know, for... You know, what is it worth to have one person in heaven forever? You know, when you think about 
you might spend so much today, what seems like an enormous amount of money or time and energy, but when you think about the payback of one person coming, going to heaven, that's almost like getting everything for just a small amount. So, in conclusion, um, to be a Christian is to know that the servant is not treated any better than the master. Jesus and his people, they're persecuted throughout the Bible. Um, And to be a Seventh-day Adventist um, is to choose to bear the full bird of persecution inflicted by the image of the beast or the land beast. You know, when I came to um, become a Seventh-day Adventist, and I was kept thinking about this, it's like, oh, this, this can't be good. And so I kind of put it on the back burner, like many other things I put on the back burner when I came to be a Seventh-day Adventist. The first thing I accepted was that the seventh day was the Sabbath, that God created things in six, the world in six days, the seventh day was the Sabbath, and then... Once I accepted that part of the Bible, you know, the first two chapters, then the rest of the Bible seemed to make sense. You know, then, then it seemed to make sense. I had to give up some of my other beliefs, like evolution, and, and that left soon after um, I was baptized. A friend of mine gave me a book called Refuting, F- Refuting Compromise by Safarati, and it talked not only so much about refuting evolution, but refuting the long-age version of creation and by default to evolution. So as I accepted the Sabbath, um, I knew I'd have to give up certain things. I also trusted that God would bring other things into light, and one of them was the belief in creation. And and then I knew, too, that there was going to be a... um, there could be persecution. I thought growing up, you know, that Christians would be persecuted, but if I stayed out of Yemen or Iraq, that I'd probably be fairly safe, you know. So, But then, you know, become a Seventh-day Adventist to be in America, that's like going into the lion's den. So, um, so does being a martyr really help us to satisfy the three reasons for being in the world? The three reasons were to bring glory to God, for our character formation and restoration, and to be a light of the world? Yes, I think it does. Um, God's faithfulness for his own will astound us. It will astound people, his people, heaven, the world. Um, And then I thought, well, not everybody's going to be called to be a martyr, but being martyrdom can be as simple as dying to self. Every day, Paul said, I die to, my, die to self every day. Um, and whatever we give up, you know, we can't outgive God. Um, when we think about the story of the rich young ruler, that's in Matthew 19. You know, most people think about the camel, but I think there's kind of an interesting promise that God gives us.
So the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He wants to know what he needs to do to be cut into heaven. Jesus tells him, keep the commandments. And he says, I'd have. And then he says, give away all your money. He says, oh, I can't do that. And, um, and then uh, Jesus says, well, it's easier for um, a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Um, and then... And then Peter, he says to them, well, what about us? We've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus said to them, amen, I say to you that have followed me in the new age when the son of glory is seated on his throne of glory, will, will yourselves sit on the 12 thrones judging the tribes of Israel? And then on 29, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands, for the sake of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life when it's all done. So we could try, but we will never outgive God. So I think, in conclusion, that. Um, Yes, being a martyr or being thrown into prison, yes, will have, will be, have its disadvantages, but it, it's not going to be all bad. There are some advantages to it. Um, and I think the good news is, you know, God has answered our prayers, and we are going to be martyrs. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we had to come to, to fellowship and to share your word. We'd ask that, um, that we go away from this empowered. We'd ask that, um, that we would all know more about you, that you are love, that you're all-knowing, and that you're all-powerful, and that, and that whatever you have planned for us is, is best for us. We'd ask that you would give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to do what you would have us do. And we ask all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen.